So if Jim could only have one rifle, I was going to ask that question. That's a good. And question. it have one of his barrels, and what caliber and length would it be? I'll go check inventory and see how many we have with one before you answer that. <laughs> yeah, what do we need to sell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're going to get shot with. Do you know what's going on there? What's yeah, I, try from the other side. That's an H-E-B. Man. Yeah. Indestructible. Christ. So we're working on a tool. Uh, there we go. We're working on a little tool between... Uh, not this. Oh. That's an Atwood. Oh. Okay. People collect those things like it's... They're going out of style, but Shane King and I um, are really Shane King more than I. <laughs> I just give him some inspiration on it. But uh, uh, want to make them domestically here. That's what uh, I was gonna be. That's what I was wondering. Out about. of a good alloy, you know, S30V type of stuff, and um, but you know, something you can still put on a keychain, maybe a little bit longer. Put in a little Kydex thing and keep it in your kit. Mm-hmm. Strap it to your sling or whatever. Uh, but something that is good quality. It's a nice gift. To a good customer or whatever, um, but it's also one that you don't really feel the pain because there's not they're not going to be cheap, but they're not going to be like horribly expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. So kind of a pay it forward type of thing for whatever. And we've uh, he's got some some prints drawn up that I looked at a couple of weeks ago, and it looks real promising. Really simple, kind of a pry thing. Maybe a little bit of a blade to open boxes with, um, an alligator type of wrench system. When we talk about oh, alligator, yeah. for the different uh, right half inch for your badger mounts and all that kind of poop. That'd be pretty cool. No, no, for sure. I've been wanting to do that for years, man. Something super simple like that is cool. Is that something we can leave in the podcast, or we mm-hmm. need to take it out? Keep it in. So you heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So Shane, get get on it, buddy. Yeah, you're under pressure now. <laughs> well, Jim, yeah. thank you for coming up, seeing us today. I had to, dude. I know. You had to come up. got business there. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll let you roll this one in because this is the one, I think, when we first sat down and talked about the BTO podcast, the first guest on the list Oh, I got you guys buffaloed. <laughs> was Jim Hodge. That was the first guy. And now here we are, nine months into it. Yeah. We finally got him. We finally got it. Well, I've been up here a few times. Yeah, I just hadn't hadn't made the time to sit down. We've well, been it's busy. not that I did. Y'all like, never invited me. It's like you're busier. Trying to get three people, four people's schedules that are all very busy. If, if you would have showed up yesterday, none of us would have had time. Well, here's the crazy thing is, you know, I am busy, but, you know, I have a, I'm busy doing Hodge defense stuff. I've got other thing, obligations, you know, business-wise to do, but, you know, my family is still super important. So spending time with my, my beautiful wife and my children, you know, that supersedes everything else, you know, for the most part. So, yeah, I'd, sometimes, you know, people used to ask me, why do you like to take road trips in your car, right? And I used to, man. I used to drive to Fort Benning and back. 
wherever I had meetings in my car, even up to D.C. And I was like, guys, you know what? Why don't you just fly? And I'm like, sometimes like not being busy and getting into my car, you know, driving at night where there's no traffic on the road. It's just me, the road, maybe some talk radio and uh, <laughs> not having to worry about juggling 722 phone calls and text messages. And so that is my downtime. But uh, anyway. Well, we appreciate you. You bet. For sure. And on that note, welcome to the Big Tech's Ordinance Podcast. I'm Ike. We have Chris and Ian. And our guest today, Jim Hodge of Hodge Defense. Wherever so. the cameras are. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the Ricky Bobby thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, no, but th- thank you for, for coming on today. We've been really excited to have you. So um, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Who's Jim Hodge, uh, as much as you can say? And Well, I mean, it's, uh, I'm the owner of Hodge Defense Systems. Uh, we've been in business for 10 years. Uh, we had our 10th anniversary in February. Nice. We're a really small company. Um, you know, when I first started this, I wanted to be a huge company. Uh, timing is everything in this industry. And sometimes you go down a path and you think, okay, yeah, I want to do all this, but... You know, the boss upstairs leads you in a direction and says, no, I'm going to direct you to this direction. And which is more, we, we, we're not a custom shop. Uh, I wouldn't even call us boutique because um, boutique implies a lot of custom stuff. But uh, we're just small and, and we, 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 we don't uh, bite off more than we can chew. And I, I like it that way. Um, I don't like talking about myself too, too much, but only because I'm shy that way. But um you know, I started off life uh, in law enforcement, um, then went to contracting overseas, and uh, uh, always been fascinated with the car, the carbine, and you know, tinkered with it. Been doing it for twenty five years or so, and um, you know, it got to a point to where I've I've had a lot of involvement in other companies, and uh, worked with a lot of big names. You know, just kind of as, you know, not really being paid, but just as more of, you know, at the time it was like eight companies, not 280 companies. Um, helped some, a few people out. And my wife is like, hey, rather than you traveling so much, why don't you stay home and uh, chase me around the house, then chasing bad guys overseas <laughs> and, um, um, do for yourself what you've done for other folks. So that's really kind of how it started. Uh, it was super mom and pop still kind of is. Um, even the logo was picked by my kids. Nice. nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did a bunch of diagrams of logos and, um, my kids obviously were 10 years younger. And, uh, one Saturday morning, still kind of playing on my iPad, iPad in bed, you know, they're, they're, they're watching cartoons with my wife and I. I'm like, all right, which one do you guys like? And they both picked the same one and said, well, all right, that's the logo. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, it, I, I've been blessed. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we've had steady growth. Um, and, uh, we, but it's incre- incremental growth. So that's a little bit how Hodge Defense got started. Nice. I know originally, like, the Mod 2 was kind of... That's that's what a lot of people are drawn to with mm-hmm. the exotic alloys and all that. Mm-hmm. So it started off. So a, a friend of mine, 
um, told me about aluminum lithium and how Alcoa was trying to break into the firearms market and um, with little success. And at the time, you know, starting out my company, I, you know, I knew people in the industry, but from a material supply perspective, you know, I didn't know anyone. And um, aluminum lithium. Uh, we were the first people to actually use aluminum lithium. Um, there's two variations. We were extruding an aluminum lithium in 2099 and then forging it in 2055. Um, and that was a task because of the density of the alloy. And it's hard enough to extrude 7075 for rails. And that's, again, kind of how the process of rails begin is by an extrusion. And, um, and it was super, super expensive. Um, so we abandoned that, went to 7075 rails, but forging the uppers and forging the lowers, creating the dies that were, that can handle the, the type of alloy we were wanting to forge, um, was fairly easy enough though. Um, the process of forging our first, uh, forgings and aluminum lithium were coming from Alcoa or I call it defense. And like, like the, the creators of the pyramid of Giza, right? People always ask, well, you know, they lost that technology. Well, Alcoa defense hadn't forged receivers in a long time. So we're thrusting them back into forging receivers and they kind of went through another learning process of forging. And it took us a year just to get forgings right. We had, you know, from from a surface perspective. And that's where the moon rocks came from, is they were originally blooms. Um, and, you know, they're crazy. You know, people go crazy for them now, but uh, <laughs> uh, they were originally blooms. And we fought that for a long time. Uh, aluminum, lithium, uh, how we secured the material for forgings was usually on the coattails of another defense company that was using it for whatever. So they would have extra stock um, because of supply chain management and things like that. It was always kind of hit and miss on our accessibility to aluminum lithium. So one of the engineers that I was working with at Alcoa had moved to another um, aluminum company. And I'm like, all right, if you were king for the day, you know, if you weren't going to use aluminum lithium, where would you go? And basically he said for C405. Now, aluminum lithium, uh, again, because of the density of the alloy, was also always hard to anno, to get a hard anno on it. The anno would take, but the pigment wouldn't. And we ended up seeing a cull rate. Of, if I'm going to do 100 receivers, I'm probably getting 90 back because they, would, they were hard to anodize. It was a difficult process, uh, where C405 made it much easier, even though they were still a denser alloy. So we made that transition to C405. The difference between C405 and aluminum lithium, aluminum lithium is a little bit lighter. C405 is just a little bit stronger, but same mass to weight ratio as a 7075. And that's kind of how we transitioned into C405. So that was actually my next question. So like, you know, you're using the C405 now for the mod twos. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people want to know why, what makes C405 better than 7075? Well, it's just a stronger alloy. You know, I mean, it, it's, 
would you if you had the option to get something that was that had a better material, would you not get it? Stronger, you know? stronger material, but with the same same weight. Um, yeah, stronger material, but with the same weight. And it is quite a bit more expensive. Oh um, yeah, but so on the on the mod twos, it's not just a standard mill spec forging. It is forged. It's not billet. No, correct. Um, you have your own dies for that. Yep. Yeah, we have our own dies. Uh, they were expensive um, because of the way they had to be made originally for the aluminum lithium. So you can't just go call up Sarah and be like, "Hey, I need right. I need five hundred of these." Right. They're your dies, your yep. specific forging. Yeah, yep. they're and unique it, to me. You have a little bit more mass on there too. Yeah, we have a uh, on the upper um, about an extra thirty seconds of of wall thickness, uh, for lack of better words. Uh, so you got a stronger material. And a little bit more mass. And a stronger manufacturing process, 14 versus billet. Yeah. And so they're, you know, where the rubber meets the road on a lot of this is in the upper, um, the consistency of an upper. And that's where I really wanted to focus. As a matter of fact, you know, on lowers, I'm now considering going back to 70, 75 on the lowers. It's just, is it better? Yes. If we were to stay with C, I'm still weighing the options of that. Um but it's not as crucial in the lower as it would be the upper. Uh, and that would also, you know, we'd pass those savings on to the consumer. Um, because again, the material is, you know, 400% more just in raw material. Yeah. You know, it's four times the price. Hi, I'm Chris from Big Tech's Ordnance, and I'm Ian from Big Tech's Ordnance. <laughs> and today we've got the weekly update. So first off from Voltor is the classic Murr upper receivers, right? So we've got them in foliage green, black, standard black. Those were my picks. What do you got over there? Um, for Boomer. all for all the wheel gun enthusiasts out there, we've started carrying some some Safariland Comp Three and Comp Two speed loaders for J frames and K frames. So if you guys need a good speed loader for all of your um, revolver needs, we got some. Uh, we have the new Streamlight Wedge XT. Also, these come in black and FTE. Great little task light. You know, drop your keys underneath the couch. You're looking for your burrito. Good little option from Streamlight. Comes with a little lanyard on it as well. Solid price point on those. I would I'll yep. have to reference the price point on USB-C those. rechargeable and it has a deep carry uh, pocket, pocket clip, clip on it. Yeah, so option. Looks great. Coming up, there's a bunch of classes. We've got Paradox training. I'll oh, be across yeah, the street at the, at the, at the range. Uh, doing that the 27th, not this weekend, but next weekend. Anyway, lots of training events coming up. We just also posted the Sons of Liberty Oh, yeah, the Armors class. Armors class in May. It's up on the website. Anyway, thanks for watching. Be safe. Finger guns. Let's talk about barrels. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where the magic happens, or at least one of the spots. Um, how did you come up with, 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 your, with your profile for the barrel and that whole process? Well, I, I knew what I wanted, but I, again, I'm not an engineer, man. I'm just a... You're a trigger puller. Uh, well, you know, a, a good idea of fairy. Um, <laughs> I knew what I wanted in, in the way of a balance of a barrel, so I, I came up with a, a certain taper. Um, at the time, uh, Daniel Defense and I were working together, 
uh, still have a great relationship. And, I, and I'm super blessed to have really good relationships across the industry. Uh, I'm not an island. I'll work with anyone and not to be horse that way, but you know, uh, I, I learn from other folks. I still learn every day, uh, on how to do a better weapon. But <clears throat> at the time I was using Danny D barrels and they were great barrels and they still are great barrels. Um, we were awarded the SEP program by the United States Army, uh, which SEP is Soldier Enhancement Program. Um, there's only been a couple other guns that's ever won it, and that was the Barrett 107 and the Mark 110, and then us on the Mod 2. And uh, long and short of it, um, FN got smelt that blood in the water and uh, wanted to pull me away, so they did, and we talked about barrels. Um, I can, kind of gave them what I envisioned in a profile uh, and the material. And they were already doing barrels for a couple other companies and that 240 barrel barrel steel, which is machine gun grade barrel steel. It's just a high vandium content alloy. And um, I had asked for a couple other processes that they didn't use for other OEM clients. They thought I was crazy because they said this is going to cost you more money and it disrupts our assembly process um, and your coal rate's going to be higher. And I'm like, I don't give a damn. Just do it. Long and short of it, we did it. And after extensive testing through FN, um, we have the barrel. Um, matter of fact, they license the barrel from me, even though they make it for me. <laughs> That's interesting. Right. Everyone's like, you must have had a really good attorney. I'm like, no, man. It just happened that way. Well, you do have a really good attorney. I do. In case Griff is watching this. Yeah. Hey, Griff. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's sometimes we all get a little lucky. You know, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not gun Jesus by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, I know what I want and. I don't give a damn how much it costs. Um, and that can sometimes bite me in the butt because my stuff is expensive. Uh, and it's expensive to the consumer because it's, it's expensive for me. And if I was doing a run of thousands and thousands and thousands of barrels, you know, it, it would come down in price a little bit. But I'm not that company, you know, as we discussed before. Um, well, we didn't, we, you mentioned it before, and this is going to bring me back to that question. Cause I've been waiting to ask it. <laughs> what, what was the driving point to, for you to decide small batch, high quantity, high quality, high qu quality, correct. Small batch, high quality versus becoming a larger manufacturer money. Money. I mean, the infrastructure required to be a larger manufacturer and vertically integrated is insane. And uh, San Antonio's, you know, labor pool is mas meno from some San Antonio. You know what that means. Um, but, uh, you know, it just kind of happened that way, kind of by accident. Um, uh, and as if anyone doesn't know, already know. You guys here are my operations folks. 
So you're doing all my forecasting and ordering, and I'm probably the best business move I've ever made is to get in bed with you jokers. But um, uh, I would only spend what can I what I can afford to do. I've never leveraged any debt. Never had an underwriter or a sugar daddy. You know, <laughs> just did it absolutely financially organic. Doesn't make my, doesn't make a guy rich, believe me. Uh, but you know, I wanted to build the company organically, and this was the only way that I can control the amount of financial output for the input of product and sales. Um, and, you know, if it was only building 50 receivers at a time, that's what I can afford to do and write a check for it. That's what I did. Um, so just kind of being frugal, not so much frugal with my money, but not taking enormous risk or having oversight of a, um, a board or an investment company just literally did it with my checkbook. Yeah, being smart and being safe, safe about it. You well, don't answer anybody at that point either, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, I don't, and it gives me the freedom mm-hmm. um, to do what I need to do. Uh, I do work with big companies now. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, use our IP, um, which is always good, a little bit better mailbox money, but again, not making me a whole lot of money. And um, at the end of the day, um, you know, I see Hodge Defense continuing to grow kind of at our snail's pace, but I think it builds a stronger foundation as the years go by. You're definitely able to be more flexible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And agile. Yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, if this administration was to get crazy with um, assault weapon ban, you know, I can close my books right now and wouldn't have to write a check to anyone. Um, not that I'm going to, but we're involved in too many other government projects that um, it would keep us, you know, they would keep us around for that. But it's it's getting harder and harder to be a manufacturer, for sure. Yeah, I know the administration right now, or the ATF under this current administration, are a lot more... Um, there's been a lot more FFL license revocations than there have been in years past. Like talking to one of the, the, the one of the examiners that came by, they said like used to be like you'd have these infractions that were just like a little warning, like hey, like you know this stuff kind of this kind of stuff happens. Now it's revocations. Like they're they're not playing around anymore. And and when you do the numbers that I do, it's harder to mess up. Yeah, like I, I know we had an audit and we had a couple. There's a couple errors. Like the 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 it was the caliber was five point five six by forty five, and we had five point five six NATO, like stuff like that. And you know, it ended. There's a handful of them, but it wasn't as big of a deal because we had so many transactions. Um, so it wasn't as big of a deal because they look at it as like a percentage. But if you're only doing like you know five or six hundred entries a year and you have five mistakes, you know that's as a percentage that's a lot higher than right. Five well, or six mistakes that, on and I don't do any 4473s. Yeah, that's that's where a lot of the revocations are coming from. Well, I'm not set up that way, right? I'm not a public place to to go in and say, hey, we're going to transfer a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're a manufacturer. And really, it's kind of almost brokering the manufacturing now. And, you know, the, the serialized items still come through me and they get transferred out. Yep. 
and it's it keeps everything super clean and you know super honest yeah, we we do the same here we even if i was going to buy a lower today we would transfer the lower to the range right i would go over there to where they do 50 transfers you know you know i mean they don't i don't think they do 50 transfers in a day but you know they do and, that's and what they do yeah. you know like they have all the infrastructure set up like all the processes and balance, checks and balances so, so yeah we definitely we, understand we don't mess that. with 44 yeah, no. at the warehouse anyways um the uh if we could jump back to the barrels thing mm-hmm. the uh the one thing that always caught my eye was how many rounds dudes are getting out of your barrels like you know mark smith and bill blowers like what 40 50 000 rounds out of their rifles is mind-blowing and you know i know mark just retired his pretty recently and, and y'all like 40 plus i believe yeah and you know and the only reason he retired it i mean it was still still had life in it it was still a usable rifle he's like yeah it just you know wasn't shooting the groups that i wanted but it wasn't like keyholing it, it was you yeah. know it it went from a, a you know a sub moa rifle to a two moa rifle and it's he's like nah you know what i'm gonna time for an upgrade but it's that that's that's wild to me well you can destroy one of my barrels and 500 rounds if you wanted to I mean, it's just, it's how you do it, right? And, um, you know, it, it's it's maintenance, it's cadence, ammo. It's, you know, the cool down in between. Um, it's hard for me to say, oh, yeah, we built a 40,000-round barrel because I don't know how you're going to shoot it. Yeah, for sure. You just roll that selector over and it's just, <laughs> bah, bah, <laughs> suppressed with hot ammo. See a barrel. Yeah. Um, you're going to destroy any barrel that way. Ours, you know, that's part of our, our process, part of our, our shtick mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and that's why our barrels are, are pricey. Um, but you also look at it through the lenses of 40,000 rounds back in the day, right? When ammo was tough, that's $40,000 of ammo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, now uh, it's twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's when we bought ammo yesterday. It was fifty three cents around, right? For seventy seven grain, but, five five six. But the barrels were originally uh, designed for Alpha One ammunition, which was a higher pressure at the time. They've since lowered the pressure a little bit, but uh, at the time it was designed for Alpha One ammunition, suppressed, and that's where kind of the anemic ports came in. I like running anemic ports. It may not be for everyone's climate, but um, you know it's easier to open a port than than close one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's definitely can't close it. <laughs> Shove it full of Play-Doh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, um, uh, I, I just wanted to build the most robust barrel. And here's here's the deal, kids. Uh, I'm not done with barrel stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, as you guys may or may not know, uh, I'm working on a couple of programs just getting to that next level. Um, and you, you can be like, hey, that barrel is a $400 barrel. That barrel is a $500 barrel. Well, if you don't ever have to replace a barrel, but if you're replacing $68 barrels, well, that's no big deal. I mean, it it's all comes out in the wash, but if you don't ever want to have to replace it, that's my goal, right, is to get a longer-lasting gobstopper. Um, and for those that don't need it, cool. For those who do, cool. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated. You've never been like, you have to buy this. Like, if you don't, if if you don't choose Hodge Defense, then you you don't care. It's always been a like, I'm going to build a better mousetrap, or like, I'm I'm going to make it the best I can, 
And if if that if that works for you, cool. If not, then shoot shoot what you want. You know? Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Not, There's a gun for everybody out there. You know, responsible person out there. Um, there is. There's a gun for everyone out there. And and if and if all you can do is bake because of accessibility, financial means, or you know your maturity, not in uh, a mental way, but in a gun ownership way, um, you know, has reached a certain point, you know, it, there's, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with a Colt 6920. It, it'll do the job. It'll do the job well. That's uh, true. But if you're instructing and you're putting bazillions and bazillions of rounds down and you want to enhance this, that, or the other, well, mid-gas systems, free float systems, enhanced triggers, all these little things add up to something that's a little bit more uh, user-friendly and uh, really what it boils down to is consistency. And um, all the small increments make a, a major improvement. And that's, again, going back to the barrels and uh, the metallurgy. That's that's my, my goal. It may, may, may or may not make sense to some. Uh, to me, it does. And my name's on the side of the gun, so. <laughs> you got something to say about it, how it turns out? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think, this is one of those universe questions here on, uh, on it. I've been, I've been part of this industry for going on f close to 14 years in some way, shape or form, whether it just be training, running a training company, instructing or anything. But the the level of you know back fifteen years ago, if you got a off the shelf AR that was sub two MOA, that was a pretty good gun. Mm -hmm. And now the standard is oh this you know I paid seventeen hundred dollars for this it better be sub MOA gun. I'm like, bro, <laughs> like ten fifteen years ago you were having to spend way more money to get that accuracy standard out of a rifle. What do you think has led into that at this point? Technology and ammunition, uh, technology and manufacturing. Uh, it's easier to hit more finite deltas and, and spec. Um, you know, it's not just one thing. It's not just the barrels. It's, you know, ammunition. It's more people are shooting, more people know how to shoot accurately. Yeah. Um, it's the optical devices, you know? I mean, think about when low-power variables became a thing. Now you got a low-power variable on your gun, gives you a little bit more magnification, gives you a little bit more precise aiming deal. You're going to see the accuracy improve rather than shooting a 2MOA dot or a 3MOA dot. Yeah which guns in the past could have shot pretty well. I've, I've got some old ass Colts uh, and I got a lot of them um, that yeah, shoot, <laughs> that shoot, that shoot really, really well, but they would maybe not have known it, that it shot pretty well um, because there wasn't, we weren't thinking about putting a one to six or one to eight yeah, or you know, a two to 10, which is my new kind of favorite scope from loophole. Um, you know, the ability is there to be more accurate and more consistent going back to consistency and more consistent. So 
you know, it's not just one systemic thing in the way of, oh, barrels have gotten better. Again, it's this kind of a hodgepodge of multiple things. No shooter, ammo, gun, training. You want to talk about rails for a minute? Mm-hmm. Kind of. So the wedge lock is kind of where, kind of where it started. You want mm-hmm. to walk us through the history of that and all the, the backstory on that? So I was using another brand's rail when I first uh, started, and you know, good brand, good rails. But uh, I always when I, if you look at a carbine, um, one of the most discriminating things that you see in it, in the way of okay. That's different. I can identify a knight's gun because mm-hmm. it's got a knight's rail. I can identify a Daniel Fence gun because it's got a DD rail on it, and so on. I needed my own rail. Um, I approached Mike Miller, uh, at who was the owner of Mega at the time, and said, hey, I want to build a rail. Sent him some drawings on what I wanted to do, um, and he liked it. Um, and we just started, we started really talking about lockup. And it was important for me um, to have the most sturdy rail because that's when I first was introduced into drop tests and destruction testing of, of guns. It's like, oh, shit, man, we really need to make something robust here. Uh, and that's why all my wedge locks were 70-75. Never done a 60-61 one. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just it was designed to be 7,000 series. And um, they helped me a lot with the, the lockup system. Um, the external of that rail is predominantly 99.99% me. Uh, and I would say the lockup is about 80% or more them. And, um, we did it together. So the mega wedge lock and the Hodge wedge lock came out at the same time. And, um, it's always funny, uh, for all those guys that are listening, you, you know, sometimes you design something and you're like, man, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then after a couple of months of production, it's like, oh, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have <laughs> done that. And I wish I would have done this. And the wedge lock um, did have those. And one of them was, again, I love the feel, but proximity to barrel, it gets a little warm. And then you have proximity to gas block, mm-hmm. which you have to be very careful on how you mount your M-lock accessories. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, um, I was approached by the Maneuver Center and FN kind of concurrently about developing a rail because the, the wedge lock was an expensive rail to make. It was almost 100% machined on the exterior. Um, so machine time equals money. Um, to make something a little bit more reasonable and then that can handle, you know, 40 millimeter grenade launcher at the bottom and still be free floated. So the pinch lock came. So the things that I learned with the S lock, I mean, I'm sorry, the wedge lock, uh, I applied to the pinch lock something a little bit more robust. Um, I knew I wasn't doing it in 7,000 series, so made it a little bit beefier to, to compensate uh, for the density of the alloy or the strength of the alloy and um, um, you know, that's kind of where the whole rail transition, it was the wedge, then the pinch. And I was super satisfied with the pinch. Um, It's where I wanted to be. And then the S came and it's ironic because the S lock and the pinch lock, 
even the Wedgelock uses the same barrel nut. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to keep that, and that way you can have sub-assemblies already done, and you slide on whatever rail you wanted. But the lockup system and the pinch and the S are the same. And I wanted to kind of split the uprights between a wedge and a pinch to create the S. And that stands for spine. Um, so we have more material in the 12 o'clock position of the rail, um, which tends to add or maintains bearing surface, a little bit more bearing surface on the barrel nut um, with less flex. Um, and uh, But that's how kind of the rails got started. And, and ironically enough, the S, even though we had a lockup system, took more time to develop than any other rail. It was just the outside of it. And then developing it to make it machinable and repeatable. Um, sometimes you get lucky on things and sometimes you got to make sacrifices. So there's the rail story. So on the pinch, I know that, I don't know how much you can talk about, but I know that has had a lot of testing done on that particular rail. And the S. And the S. Um, how much can you talk about? And So, yeah, um, massive drop testing, temperature testing, impact testing, uh, flex testing, um, third party, uh, multiple third parties um, to include the government. Um, and, uh, an exorbitant amount of money has been spent on that. That's what I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I'm lucky, you know, it wasn't money out of my pocket (laughs) because I can't afford that kind of testing because that stuff gets expensive. Yeah. Super fast. I mean, people think about testing as like, oh, let's just chuck it across the room and see if it'll work out for us. And that, I I guess that is a way, but there's no consistency in it. So all the testing has been done with engineers and, you know. Dare I say, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of instrumentation and high-speed video, and uh, you know, it's not Bill in his backyard yeah, with his. No, you know. no, it's it's not fixtures. I mean, it's fixtures. You know, dropping it on at certain heights for consistencies at different angles and simulated weights. With it's not just a naked gun either. It's a gun with a full mag, an optic, a light, a laser, a sling, even. Um, you know, multiple angles to include muzzle, butt, sides, angular sides, uh, on both sides. And, and funny, the, the last time we did the S-lock, we were working on a project uh, for someone in Europe. And um, it was during COVID, so we had to uh, video all of our testing, all of our drop testing. And so we did our drop test. It's like, oh, thank God that's done. And we're looking at the gun going, all right, what broke? Nothing. But uh, the guy comes back and said, shit, I forgot to press the record button. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. We had to do it all again in the same gun. And uh, so, yeah, that, that damn S-lock has been, it's been tested pretty thoroughly. We understand that. We've made it 15 minutes in the podcast one time, and I was yeah. like, uh... <laughs> We're not recording audio, so we're going to have to go back. So I, think his, I think his beats your story. Yeah, I know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. again, it goes it, it goes back to, you know, creating an idea, which is awesome for anyone to do. That I love that kind of spirit in a person. Um, but testing it that's non-biased with professional 
testers, not just again running it over with a vehicle. Um, that's where the rubber meets the road, and and to do that, it takes a lot of money. I mean, you start testing barrel and barrel life. You think about the the labor that goes involved in shooting it on a range under video or under high speed cameras. Mm-hmm. And then the amount of ammunition and then the sustainment of that firearm during its testing. You know, if you're doing it for 20,000 rounds and you're doing it within, let's call it four or five days, you know, that's labor. You can't just have one guy shooting it at the same time. You know, you're going to have, you employ a team of testers to do it. Um, and that's one thing I've, I've always cherished and I really appreciate with uh, some of the folks I've worked with. In the way of they've thrown the money at it and um, they believe in it and um, I get to reap the benefits of it. Pretty cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So what's, um, so what, if you can talk about it, what are some of the, who are some of the companies that use your, your rail designs at this point? Just go on the internet and look. I mean, there's there's six companies out there, and those are sixty sixty one though on yeah. the wedges. Yeah, they don't make those out of a seven series. Mm-mm. We we maintain we maintain other than FN, they use the, and I can say this because they use the name in marketing. Uh, they use the wedges and the pinches. We maintain pinch. We maintain S. Uh, Suns uh, uses our extrusion on S, uh, and a different lockup. Um, and, um, you know, there are multiple companies out there using the wedge design. Um, and I've moved on. Um, you know, we had a meeting the other day mm-hmm. about uh, possibly, and don't freak out everybody, <laughs> uh, getting some more 7,000 series uh, wedge locks to the guys. And maybe we'll do them in TI. Don't freak out. Um, but You just broke the internet, Jim. <laughs> do you realize that? Um but we would do a limited run. And it's just they're expensive to do. And it's a good rail. It really is a great rail. Um, but uh, just to kind of please the the commercial sector. I do care about them. Some people don't think I do, but I, I really do. They're, they're paying the bills, too. And I know historically, kind of feeding into that, like, <clears throat> kind of what you're, you've main, you've you do a lot of, like, like contracts and stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, for special, for special, um, customers. Um, and then kind of the commercial market hasn't really been your focus. No, they have, um, it's, you know, because I'm small and agile, um, I used to say a lot, I used to say no a lot more to contracts. Um, because of you guys, I don't have to say no as much, right? Cause I have the infrastructure, now and uh, I've always been bashful about bringing too many people on and trying to manage it all by myself you know we've, we've had a relationship for two years now mm-hmm. and uh, for the eight years prior I did it all by myself man by myself to include cleaning toilets and um, you know it, it, because of me not saying no we're I don't need to tell you. I don't even know why you'd ask that question because you're involved in it too, guys. Um, yeah, we, we've been blessed. Uh, we're, we're 
being asked a lot more. And people are we we've been fortunate to have um, um, some brand recognition um, within certain units, and now we're now more than ever. Let me rephrase that: we're executing on deliverables to them and competing on programs um, and uh, with with success. And uh, but my focus isn't really just solely them. It's still a consumer. I I I love them very much. And but we are a company that really we build a combative rifle for professionals. And I believe, and I may be wrong, but I believe when you when you get into this game, you have to make a decision. There's a it, you you can have your cake and eat it too. Though when you're designing things. Do you design it for the masses or do you design it as a combative system? And what I mean by that is even rail flex or durability or longevity. We go back to barrel, talking about barrels. A barrel can last 40,000 rounds versus a barrel that only lasts six or 7,000 rounds. Um, you know, who's going to have the money to dump that kind of Yeah, who, who spends $20,000, $30,000 on ammo to right. be able to shoot out that barrel? Right. Um, so that, again, that's the kind of approach I've taken and the consumer gets to benefit from that kind of, that kind of OCD, uh, that was originally established for the government markets. Yeah. And we're, we're putting out more stuff to the commercial market now more than mm-hmm. ever. Like there's, there's barrels. You can go buy a barrel right now. Dude, I can't tell you, you how many rails. times I've go, when can I get this and when can I get that? And, you know, God bless all you people that ask that. Uh, soon enough, but you know we do put product out. It just it sells so fast, and again, I'm blessed for it, uh, or we're blessed for it, and uh, it just sells really fast. And we, 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 you know, but we can only make what we can make, and but still okay. be prudent. Yeah, I mean, like if you put an order in for right now for something, like it'll be months, if not multiple months, like. Six, eight, ten, eighteen months sometimes before you'll see what you've ordered when you're like, Hey, I want this. Well, like right? so for mod too, kinda to give folks a little bit of insight into the manufacturing process. So like we put a order in for four jeans way last year. Hell, we're buying Almost, the material. We're, before, yeah, we're buying the material. Before it's even <laughs> preformed for a forge, and then it's preformed for a forge, then it gets forged, then it goes to manufacturing. Right, or machining. Yeah, so we're that far into, uh, I guess, our supply chain management. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, and it's it. That's not that's something okay. that happens over overnight. You know, yeah. like that. It there, there's a long process to that. It's well, not just flip a switch. I, I need some more. Oh more yeah, rails. I mean, I can't if 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 I had the material on on deck. Um. I can't just crap them out. You know, there are other machines do other things than just build receivers or rails or, you know. And and the other part too, kind of going back to what you said is not, not biting off more than you can chew and over leveraging Mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if we want to take on massive amounts of debt, we could put more out. That's not the philosophy or that's not how you built the company. Well, no. and, And we're not in the business of collecting parts either. We're not in the parts collection business. Mm-hmm. We're in the business of selling them. And we sell them quick. And unfortunately, 
we could we could forecast as much as we can, but I want my strategy is to satisfy what I can maturely do financially a market demand and then start the process again, uh, which sometimes takes a while. Hell, we ordered Montu receivers. It took almost a year, more than a year during COVID <laughs> to get. We had an open PO for how long? Yeah. And uh, we saw it with barrels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had, we had open POs for barrels for over a year. And uh, and all that's starting to catch up now. Though, if if we drop a PO for a barrel now, uh, it could take up to still 12, 15 weeks before we realize, you know, those products coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could you can say, well, just order more and order more and order more, but that's that's not how we do it. You know, we'll, we'll we'll get our inventory in, we'll exhaust our inventory, and we'll order more. And that way, again, we're not in the parts collection business. Some people have the the ass to do that financially. Um, not that I won't ever get to that point. We do maintain some parts, you know, uh, uh, a cachet, as that you would say, but those are typically reserved for folks that because we get it all the time uh send us four of these send us five of these for testing or mm-hmm. this that and the other or a charity event um so we want to be able to make sure we can satisfy those as well but uh, yeah we're in the parts collection business and i don't want to have a constant stream of parts and then all of a sudden do something brand new and then still have an inventory of a half a million dollars of the barrels yeah when I've got a new barrel coming out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 And you don't want to push that off on, on dealers. No, and, no. I'll go on a rant on that. I'll, I'll change subject right now. So we, we had a, a question. I put uh, a question up in the group the other day, the Facebook group. And he said, if you could ask Jim Hodge the question, what would it be? And so I've got some here pulled up. I've been scrolling through while we've been talking because I get to listen to this like six times before it ever gets put out. <laughs> I can go back. So if Jim could only have one rifle. I was going to ask that question. That's a good question. And it have one of his barrels, and what caliber and length would it be? I'll go check inventory and see how many we have of one before you answer that. If that if <laughs> yeah, I what know. do we need to sell? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you're going to get shot with a 12.5 uh, mod two if you break into my house. Spicy. Um, you know, I I, I hunt with a 12.5. Um, still, I, I still have an affinity to, to 14.5s. I think that is kind of the do all um, length or 16. Um, I'm proud of all my barrels, um, but. You know, if I had to have one, and, and it's the one that I don't know that we push. Uh, maybe I mean I can ask you guys that, but you know the the most popular thing we see 
right now with our non-commercial customers is the 12.5. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to realize I run suppressed. Um, it's, uh, we live in a civilized world now, you know, run suppressed. <laughs> and um, heathens. What we figured out is if you take a shorter barrel, like a 10 and a half inch, 10.3 barrel, and to suppress it really well, you need more of a full-size can. Mm-hmm. Well, the 12 and a half, you can get away with a little bit smaller suppressor, which gives you the overall length of an upper, of a 12 and a half inch upper, but with more dwell time and more rail space. And that's kind of, the 12 and a half is kind of what I'm known for um, in other circles. And... Um, We've, I've only had three, four contracts that were not 12 and a half out of all the other contracts we've had. And um, if I had to pick one, uh, that would be it. There we go. Dan, you owe me for asking that question. <laughs> Uh, Venmo, PayPal, yeah. Cash App. <laughs> you know, ironically, my personal gun, I think I've, I've told people this before, it's a 12 and a half, but all the parts on it were, hey, I got a scratch here, or hey, this barrel shoots 3MOA, and I get the barrel and I shoot it, and I'm like, dog, I'm keeping this barrel. <laughs> this thing is like freaking laser beam. <laughs> and uh, it's, it is literally rejects, and it's... It's my gun. Jim's rocking a full blem rifle. I've got a a full blem uh, FCD that I built that's got one of your barrels in it that was not a blem. But like that's like the only non-blem piece on the whole gun. Uh, I purposely did that, though. But that's awesome. Yeah, no, my gun is a Franken gun for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's that that right there, the the hodgepodge. I like all the Cerakote. um, Because you like to Cerakote guns or get them Cerakote. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. like I know a lot of your personal ones have have the the hodgepodge kind of camo, different well, mismatched colors. Also, the, the you know the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's really one thing that only one thing that Sarah could. It's got a TI upper on it. It's got a Moonrock lower and a blemmed rail. We we coated the the rail because uh, it was blemmed, and I was okay with the blem, but I wanted to. I, I was testing out a color I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and um, that's where that gun came from. It was, I don't like this. Well, I'll use it, <laughs> and it's like the best shooting gun I've ever built. I think I have a Hodge BCG that came back from returns. Oh yeah, but the guy didn't. There's like a the, sc- the, there's the a scratch clover. on the clover. Yeah, there was a scratch <laughs> on the clover on the BCG. I was like, all right, cool. Well, that. people deserve what they pay for. I mean, they, they they deserve as much perfection as we can give them. We have stumbled in, in the past. Our BCG thing, I don't think it was a stumble. It, it, you know, people were measuring the keys saying, hey, these are oversized just a little bit. And they were oversized because they were nitrided. Mm-hmm. Typically, keys are chromed on the inside, which adds a little bit of buildup. But, uh, you know, I go back to saying, all right, uh, I haven't had any problems with it. And we've built a lot of guns and um, we've used 
these carriers for a while um, and didn't really, again, have too many problems with it or didn't have any problems with it uh, for a while. And then we started seeing a little bit more problems with our BCGs. And just so you guys know, we have, we're going with different BCGs now. Um, and that's, again, part of the reason why I like my consumer base. I can't look, me personally, even though we now look at everything, it's forced us into that mm-hmm. in the way of, you know, pinning, not for the sake of pinning, uh, but QAQCing everything, every part on the gun uh, because of the, you guys, um, the consumer base. Um, you know, I in the past, I, I did. I'd put a gun together. If it ran, it ran. And that's all I really... That's all that mattered to me. And really, that's all should, that should matter. But when COVID hit, people really starting to pay attention to certain nuances of what they considered was the right TDP or spec, which is, again, from 1984. Um, uh, and we had to, you know, strengthen up our game a little bit um, because of those customers. But you take that and you learn from it, and mm-hmm. now we're better because of it. Yeah. So. And I got no shame in my game. And I'll, I'll tell anyone straight up, you know, have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Uh, but we we fix them. And uh, how fast we do it is is what matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was one of the person's comment. Uh, one question that we had here. Uh, what was your warranty like for your rifles and or your or your parts, I should say. And can you can you sum up? We don't have a one-year unlimited or anything like that. What we have is if you get something that's new and it's messed up and you didn't abuse it or you didn't take it apart and try to put it back together or do this, that, or the other, um, and it comes from us and it's messed up, we replace it. It's that simple. If it's broke, it gets fixed. <laughs> if it's broke, it gets fixed. Now, I can't say after 7,000 rounds down your we don't have a lifetime warranty on barrels, right? I can't control how you feed that gun. Um, but uh, if you get a barrel that's not right, we replace it. Uh, I was a lot slower in the past because, again, I didn't have the infrastructure of doing that, but I did my best. Um, and uh, just fortunately enough, I didn't get a lot of returns because the quality was already built in. <laughs> And the smaller, the smaller numbers that you were putting out like back then too helped out. And now you, you do have a little bit of an infrastructure in place. Yeah. Well, I mean. If there is an issue. The parts are, are, are QAQC'd before they get to me. And I would look them over and make sure everything's fine. And, um, and at the end of the day, you can take a gun and find a bazillion flaws with a perceived flaws. Let me go back and say perceived flaws in a gun. But once it's assembled and once you got a, you know, some rounds down on it, um, if that sucker runs, who cares? Really? And you can have a gas port that big. And if it spits what it's supposed to spit, the way it's supposed to spit suppressed and unsuppressed, who cares? Who cares? Again, we go back to the carrier key. P 
people don't understand it's a high car- carbon area. Are they checking the gas tube? Checking the flange on the gas tube? Checking the length of the gas tube? Checking fitment on the on the gas block? There's you start with one thing, you have to compensate for so many other things. And the biggest lesson I've learned in this business is you don't get something for nothing. You got to not that you have to sacrifice, but you may have to make a change. If you're going to make a small change here, something else probably needs to be changed. And I've I've said this before in other interviews. It's it's akin to making spaghetti, you know. Um, how I make it is the way I like it. It's good. Right. And if you like my spaghetti, rock on, baby. Cover that stuff all over your face and be like, oh, this is awesome. Um <laughs> But, you know, it, if, if it's too garlicky for you, go to someone else's spaghetti. And That's we're, right we're still friends. We're, you know, no big deal. Lots of other great companies out there. Um, but uh, I just hope you like my spaghetti. Now I want spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting close to time for – well, you all are having crawfish tonight, aren't you? Yeah. We are, we're, we about to go, we're about to go here and go grab us some crawfish. I'm good any, for another how long? How any long? other good questions in, um, the, in there? I'm scrolling through right now. I know one was um, talking about SOCF and kind of how you got involved with them and kind of. Dave Kramer's been a dear friend of mine for a long time. I met him through a, another mutual friend, Clay Richardson. Oh. And um, we were, uh, when they first started their deal for uh, Shady, um, Dave called me up and was like, hey, man, uh, can you send a gun out? And I'm like, God, dang, I don't have any. So I went and bought a World War II era 1911 from the Navy, the Navy on the side, and uh, sent that. I wasn't at that one, but every subsequent one other than when my dad passed away, uh, I've been there, um, been honored. Let me, let me back up and say it. I've had the privilege to be there and been honored to be there to help support a worthy cause and effort. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it touches a lot of lives in a positive way. Um, and, um, I'm all about it. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, when, <laughs> as you guys probably know, folks get hit up, and all you other gun manufacturers out there know you get hit up all the time for charity stuff. And it's hard for us to say no, very hard for me to say no. Mm-hmm. But at some point in time, you've, you you got to pick your battles and say, all right, th- these are my guys. So uh, Hodge Defense is all about S- Special Operations Care Fund and the third option. Mm-hmm. That's our two big ones. Third Option Foundation. And you're this last, what, two weeks ago when you were down there, the uh, six, five, or six, six arc, five, five, six combo, upper full gun build that y'all took down there. It went for what, 35? 45. 45? Was it 45 or 48? I thought it was 43. It went for a lot. It It went for over 40. It went for over 40. (laughs) There you go. I think it was the biggest one that they've ever done on silent auction. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful. Thank video. you, John Sirkan. Yeah. yeah. OP yeah. tactical. Um, yeah. Check them out. OP tactical.com. OP tactical. So 
when I was traveling overseas, they're like the OG of internet purchasing. Yeah. John Sirkan has been around for You'll hear that from a lot of people. Like, there's a lot of dudes that have been downrange, um, bought, have been buying from John for day, for you know, a couple of days. I think he's now. been around for 20 years. Yeah. Something crazy like just, that. I, I think he, I was talking to him at Sockev. I think it's like 20 or 25 years now. I ordered some, some um, outdoor research gloves from him, and they shipped it to my APO. And I put them on, and, and I wasn't driving at the time. We were just coming back. I'm like, hey, guys, check these out. These are super cool. I went like this, and it split. I'm like, oh, my God. So I called John, and he had another set, you know, set sent out to me, like, boom. I didn't call John. I just did it online and kind of wrote him a note about what happened. And boom, it was it. And he got my business from there because of his customer service. Um, Roy Lynn, another kind of an OG uh, dealer of mine um, that has been around a, a, a long time and Again, talking about a super creative guy and it's got a good head for business uh, has been wonderful for me. And then you guys, um, we, we you have your dealer network, and I don't know if you want to explain it to the guys how your dealer network works for, for Hodge Defense stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's an, for another time. But, um, yeah, the, the, these are the – y'all are the guys that are kind of my OGs, and without y'all, I mean – but, you know, I wanted to stay with companies that also had high-end product. And they do. Uh, and they're not gouging anyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, you know, we've, we've seen, oh, goodness, when, when I was still answering customer service emails, that was something you'd see all the time was, oh, y'all are just flipping this on GunBroker. You're <laughs> didn't, not. Didn't you get a. 3000 almost $3,000 somebody offered me to mm-hmm. get them a lower. I was like, no, man, like, I'm not risking my job here. What about 3,500, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, that was one of the things that you always saw like people would, would miss the drop and they're like, oh, this, this, this is that. But it, it never was us flipping stuff on gun broker or us yeah, limiting what we were, you know, or hooking these guys up. It's like, Hey. We've got 25 and 24 are going up there. There's one held back just in case UPS loses that one. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's it's definitely been a ride over the last three years with me working here and doing this. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a double edged sword. I, I'm not a fan of the drop culture at all. Um. And we try to give everyone fair warning. Mm-hmm. Um, There's only so much you can do, though. Yeah. You know, like it's, well, I mean, it's it's in the past it was fewer things. It'd be fifty at a time here, or this, that, or the other. But now, I mean, we we drop you know a few hundred rails, and they're still gone in no time. And what do we do? Just order double that next yeah. time? <laughs> no, no, we we. We temper it, yeah. and it's not a marketing scheme, but it's also, you know, to some degree, if, if I flood the market, then there's no pride in ownership. I, I, I like being exclusive. I like, I, li- I like that for my brand. Um, you know, if it's worthy to you, and that's how you feel about it. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's pride in ownership, and people are willing to pay for it, but I have seen lowers go for north of $3,000 on Gun broker and uppers go crazy, and it's, things are settling. 
now, which is good. Uh, I, the downside to that is people sometimes look at the brand and say, oh, it's just a bunch of snobs and there's a cult of people. No, no, that's not what I want. I don't want that. I want guys who are into Hodge Defense to be um, ambassadors of folks that are either new to it or I, I, culturally as a customer base, I can't control anyone. But if I was king for the day, I, I wouldn't want all of my customers um, to be super helpful. And that way, oh, he's, he's a Hodge Defense guy, but he's super helpful. And he's not going to criticize what I'm doing. And it's okay to buy ABC brand. Um, you know, the people can do what they can do and what they can afford what they can afford. Um, and their level of need and use is not the same as everyone else's. So if you're a Hodge defense owner, be nice to your fellow gun, gun owners and um, get out and run your guns, man. That's what they're made for. For sure, I think that's a good spot. That's, for, that, no, that's that's a good that's a good note to end on. Yeah. So, where can people find you? <sighs> San Antonio or Dallas <laughs> or DC or Conroe <laughs> or um, you know, the HodgeDefense.com. But if you want product, uh, aforementioned dealers. Best. I don't deal direct with anyone. You can ask me. You can message me anytime. I'll do my best to answer your questions. I can't always answer all of them, so, uh, you know, just message me. Uh, but uh, for product, go to my dealers. Again, guys, I don't sell direct to anybody. Uh, let you guys do that. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks, thanks again for coming on. Um, I hope I didn't sound like an idiot. Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that's part of the question. Yeah, this is, I think this is, this is good. It's going to get a lot of people a lot of answers that i think a lot of people have had um answer some really cool questions i i learned some stuff um <laughs> it's always it's always interesting just to well let me ask you a question mm -hmm. or you guys right um now that you're kind of seeing how the sausage is made um and you've been in the industry for a long time knowing what you know now with with me, uh, not as an individual, but as a company, has it changed your perspective on things as far as manufacturing, accessibility, brand management, um, things like that? Is, did, did it open your eyes any on, you know, even product development? Um, that's my question to you. I know speaking for me, it's been a very illuminating experience. Yeah, you know, I've always been on the retail side of it and the consumer side of it, but being able to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit into the manufacturing world and, um, you know, the sustainment side of it, that's been very, very illuminating for me. I don't know about, about these two folks. What well, being the, the, the one thing I didn't know before we sat down in here, um, was the the self-funding of it and you not having any debt towards this is huge. The fact that you're like, okay, you know, I can afford to buy X amount of raw material 
all right, now I can afford to make that X amount of raw material into X amount of lowers. And now I'm going to sell that and then take that money and reinvest it here instead of, you know, whipping out that AMX card to do it. If you had to, that explains so much of it mm-hmm. from looking on the outside. Be like, Cause you know, on the retail side, you know, I've been in retail for a while it's always like, okay, what can I buy and sell before I have to pay for it? You know, and you don't get to do that with manufacturing. <clears throat> you can't buy it and sell it. Well, you get terms, right? So, I mean, if you get a 30, 60, 90 in terms, you can hopefully sell it within the, we wouldn't have no problem doing Yeah, but you're not doing it. that with raw. Yeah, you're but, not doing that with the no, materials. But it's it, correct. But, you know, it's it's a level of, I'm not saying it's the right way to do it. You know, I had a really smart guy tell me, he says, if you really ever want to grow your company, you're going to need an investor. And I spent seven years trying to prove him wrong. He's still right (laughs) (laughs) to some degree. But, you know, I think it'll come, man. And, you know, for all those folks out there, if you do this if you start your own business again i'm not saying it's the right way just try to do it without any debt you know it's what's crippling america to some degree and um you sleep a little bit better at night oh yeah i think my biggest thing was like i've been with these guys for probably two and a half years now and like coming from working at a range coming here like i, I didn't know what Hodge defense was until I started here. And, you know, that was during the height of COVID and seeing how you guys have trickled more stuff into the commercial market has been super awesome for, I mean, it it took me two years to get a a Hodge rifle working here. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that was because there was, you know, we would get 20 or, 30 uppers at a time and those went those didn't go to any of the people here yeah Yeah. that went to hey these are going to the people online you know there there was there was guys that that. just don't build 20 or 30 we build you know we have yeah yeah yeah, they go to different dealers for sure for sure but i mean during during the height of that it was like hey that you know this was what was released to the commercial market and and seeing you know you can go on, on the website right now and get you know at least barrels, BCGs, you know, there's rails usually here and there. And it's like, just to see your end of it, like through the manufacturing and then through my eyes through, you know, in the warehouse and just how more stuff has come in more frequently and getting out into getting to the people in the commercial market has been pretty, pretty cool to, to see. Brother, I still get, why can't I get, a, B, C, or D. Hey, I would have people asking me, like, hitting me up on Instagram saying, hey, when are, you know, when's the rail going to come in? I'm like, dude, I don't even know when the fuck the rail is going to come in. Like, <laughs> the boss puts them up, and I put them in a box and ship them out the door. Like, I, I don't have that information you're looking for. You are asking the wrong guy. <laughs> sometimes but, we don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> dude, sometimes stuff just shows up. Yeah, and we're like, oh, and that's, I, guess, I guess this and, is here now. <laughs> and people don't believe that all the time. Oh, like, that P.O.'s. 14 months old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, but that's still one of the fun things. Like, I still get a kick out of going back and seeing what dropped off yeah. every day because you don't know. It's like, hey, well, I can talk about it. The the Unity Axon 
single lead buttons came in yesterday and they're like, Hey Chris, these came in. I'm like, well, they're not even built yet. So I build them and post about them. And then I'm like, Oh wait, uh, they're not released till tomorrow. Whoops. But like it's every day. It's something new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that's the biggest thing is like the, the, the brown truck that drops off stuff. We don't know what comes in sometimes or what is going to be coming in. So it's a Christmas every day here. Well, I I appreciate everyone being as patient as they can be. And I know I probably lost customers uh, because of the lack of quickness with product to the market. Uh, But for those that have waited, sometimes a couple of years Mm -hmm. to to finish their their thing, we're, Thank we're, you. We're going to get comments on here about like I'm still working on this one. Yeah, no, I mean, and and, and it'll get done. Um, it will. <laughs> Lowers are coming soon. Lowers are coming soon. Oh yeah, like real, real, real soon. Uh, and more lowers after that. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, we're just doing our best to keep our head above water, and we like we like the air above water. As opposed to drowning in debt. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you. You bet. For your time. You bet. And if you've listened to this whole entire podcast, you've got any questions or comments, drop them down below or hit us up in our Facebook group. Uh, If you've got questions for next time, because we do see Jim every once in a while, I think he's now accustomed to this. So we'll hopefully have you back. And I know one of the most requested is to get you and Roger in here sometime. But we need like a seven-hour block. Yeah. Yeah. We'll need a lot of time for that one. But we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks.